thinking of you. It was at the coffee shop that I saw her for the first time. It was a Tuesday around 9 in the morning and raining. I remember because she came in with a small black umbrella, a single person collapsible type, dressed in a beautiful and green and white dress, a pair of matching high heels that made her legs appear absolutely breathtaking. My eyes were instantly drawn to her. Her makeup was impeccable, subtle yet accentuating. She was like an angel descending upon my dark mortal realm. She bought a cup of coffee, a soy latte. It was the same cup of coffee that I ordered, even the same size. I watched her while she waited for her order, but she didn't notice me. This was fine because I wasn't ready to speak with her. If she were to see me, to make eye contact with me, I knew my heart would burst. So while she waited, I slid down into my seat, hiding behind my laptop. Every so often I poked my head over the top and saw her standing there, studying her phone. Oh, to be that phone for just a moment. When I finally heard her name for the first time, I knew I was in love. Donna. There is no name more beautiful than Donna. She spent only a moment longer before leaving, but I knew that if I didn't follow her, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So, I hastily packed my bag and followed after her. I didn't have an umbrella, so I just let the rain soak every inch of me. From head to toe, I was a sopping mess, but that didn't matter. Donna was pristine, protected from the weather. I didn't follow too closely, because the last thing I wanted was her to notice me before I was ready. If you want to meet royalty, you don't just run up to them and say hi. There are steps, procedures that must be followed. It was the same thing for the people you loved, I mean truly loved. I needed to bide my time, gather my courage, and then speak to the goddess before me. I followed Donna to her work, a pharmaceutical company. At first I found it odd that someone so stunning worked for Big Pharma, but I supposed it was a necessary evil in order to pay bills. I only followed her to the building that day, because I didn't know what the security protocol was for entering the premises, and to reveal myself too soon would be absolutely devastating. Instead. I decided to wait outside until my goddess disappeared from sight. The ache I felt from not seeing her was like nothing I had ever experienced. Instantly I felt such rage that others could be in her presence while I was delegated to the wayside. This wouldn't last though, I was certain. I had to show her my love, and then we would live happily ever after. Returning to my small apartment was one of the most difficult things I have ever experienced. To be so far away from Donna was devastating, but I used that pain to focus my resolve. Changing into a fresh set of clothes, I removed my laptop from its bag. I was all set to start my research when I noticed the open envelope still sitting on my desk. The words still rang in my head, bringing my sadness and anger to the surface once more, but only for a moment. Donna was on the forefront of my mind and pushed through all of the emotions and ideas and thoughts. I looked at the envelope only once more, noting the blue document resting underneath it, but shook the thoughts from my mind as I began my search. Using the company as the first data point, I searched for any Donnas that worked for the company and who lived in the Manhattan area. The company website was a bust, devoted solely to prospective clients and shareholders. I did find a sublink that took to a login page for current employees, but without a user ID or password, it was a dead end. My next foray into research was social networking sites. This proved to be far more lucrative endeavor. 
You see, everyone posts photos and names, so sorting through the worthless Donnas to find my goddess was a breeze. Her name was Donna Henderson, a web designer for Mitchell Pharmaceutical. It made so much more sense knowing that she only worked on the web design and not as a researcher for medications. It wasn't that I thought her unintelligent. It was just that she appeared to be far too delicate for such work. Design and art, that was what I envisioned her doing. So creative and passionate, I could imagine the things she could create. She was 27 and had a small chow chow named Rocky. A graduate from NYU, she had been working for Mitchell for almost five years. Though I wasn't sure where she lived, I knew it was within the city limits. This was my goddess, the being I had to worship, to dedicate myself to. Knowing that our courtship had to begin immediately, I went online and ordered a bouquet of brilliant red roses to be sent to her work. I used a prepaid debit card, not wanting to risk my identity too early. Without proper courtship, I was afraid that she may not love me in return and I could not allow that to happen. I didn't want this to end like my relationship before. Secrecy is the key to success. So I ordered the flowers and when asked what sort of message I should leave, I could only consider one option. Thinking of you. After sending my gift, I went back to work trying to finish the story that I so desperately struggled with. It just wasn't coming together and worse yet, I couldn't focus on it with Donna running around my mind. After about an hour of me just staring at a blank screen, I called it a day and decided that TV might be the best option until tomorrow. Tomorrow, I would see if Donna received my gift and how much she loved it. The morning didn't come quickly. All night I tossed and turned thinking about Donna and the life we would share once we finally met. Eventually the sun rose and 8 o'clock rolled around. I knew that I had to see Donna at 9, but I didn't want to risk missing her. So I hurried and dressed before running out to get a spot at the coffee shop. I was sitting at the same table for almost an hour when she re-entered my life. Donna was adorned in a dark blue skirt and white blouse. She was like a model stepping right out of a magazine. My jaw dropped at her utter beauty and in that moment I never felt so unattractive. Turning down to my computer, I switched on the webcam so I could get a better look at my appearance. Narrow face, unshaven stubble, curly hair far too long and unkempt. I looked horrible. This was no way to look when around someone so beautiful. That had to be the reason my last relationship ended, and poorly for that matter. It had to be because of the way I looked. It had to be. I dedicated my life to her and she turned me down for another man. Looking up from my computer, I saw Donna sipping on her coffee before disappearing out the door and into the morning light. I swear the day became much brighter when she stepped outside. Collecting my things, I followed her once more, needing to be with her. Once again, I walked with her to her work where she left me. I didn't leave this time though. Instead, I walked over to the bench and sat. My flowers would be arriving soon, I had to know that they were delivered. Three hours passed as I waited when eventually a delivery truck pulled up to the front. My excitement rose as I watched the delivery man unload box after box from the back of his truck. Large, small, narrow, tall, so many different types, and any one of them could be mine, but I didn't know. Then I saw a box with the name of the flower company I used. Relief washed over me as I knew that my gift would reach the woman that I loved. Knowing that she would get my flowers, I was satisfied and left so that she didn't realize it was me and meet me before I was ready. I had to clean myself up, shower, shave, primp and preen until I was perfect. I returned home and was instantly disgusted with myself. My apartment was an absolute mess. If Donna had followed me home like I did to her, then I would be absolutely mortified. 
I lived in inefficiency, but not struggling to make rent. I sold enough of my work to get by, but not yet able to make my mark. For the next week, I woke up, went to the coffee shop, watched the love of my life, and then come home to write. On Tuesday, I sent her another bouquet of flowers with the message, thinking of you. After all, it was our one-week anniversary. Seven whole days had passed since I first set eyes upon my goddess, the love of my life, my everything. I waited outside her work, again to make sure that they were delivered, but rather than leaving after seeing the delivery driver, I decided to stay and wait. I wanted to see the absolute joy on her face. To see her smile would make my day, my week, my entire life. It was almost six hours in the evening when she finally left work. My heart leaped for utter joy when I saw her. However, my feeling of complete jubilance was shattered when I saw that my queen was not alone. She was being followed by a man. I was absolutely gutted. My anger only flared worse when I saw that this man was carrying the very flowers that I had given to Donna. My love in this man, this thief, looked so happy that I could have been sick. The two spoke to one another like old friends, but I knew that this man was simply hoping to sully her. She was pure, unfettered. I knew his type and what he wanted. Handsome, sly, cunning, spending too much time looking in the mirror, then giving the attention to those who needed it, who deserved it. I waited until they passed, pretending to read a book. Once they were several paces ahead of me, I followed. They didn't notice me as they walked from their work all the way to her apartment several blocks down. It was a nice building, far nicer than anything I could afford, but far below the standards of my goddess. Again, I was certain that it was merely a means to an end. As they stopped outside her place, I ducked into a nearby alley keeping watch. If he tried to harm Donna in any way, I would save her. I would give my life for her. Fortunately, the man didn't follow her up to her home. He just handed the flowers to her and they exchanged simple pleasantries. It was simple conversation, and I thought that maybe they were nothing more than friends, but then, to my horror, he made his move. That man, with all this sly, cunning nature, kissed her cheek. Fury surged through me as I witnessed this man's attempt to ravage my queen. I bit back my rage, my teeth breaking the skin of my lip, and I tasted blood, but it was nothing compared to the hatred that was thick in my mouth. Eventually, the man leaned back, but I could tell she was entranced by this man. The way she smiled, the way she held her head ever so slightly angled. He was trying to steal her from me, but I would not allow it. Couldn't. Donna disappeared into her home, leaving this man alone. He waited only a moment before continuing down the street, and I continued to follow. I didn't attack him or confront him. Instead, I merely tailed him. I wanted to know where he was going. After all, this man was trying to get between me and my love. Something that was completely unforgivable. This man did not deserve to be in her presence, let alone at her side. He had to be stopped, one way or another. I followed him for almost seven blocks. He must have wanted to enjoy the pleasant weather, and in truth I couldn't blame him. The seasons were starting to change from summer to fall, the temperature slowly dipping as the sun set. It was almost dark when he arrived at an apartment building. I was grateful that he walked, because if he had taken a cab, then I certainly would have lost him. However, the fates were on my side, as I was able to trail this man all the way back to his lair. He paused for only a moment, sticking his key in the outer door. Pulling it wide, he stepped in. I sprinted forward, catching the door just before it latched shut. Luck was on my side once more. God wanted Donna and I to be together and was ensuring that this intruder into our relationship was punished for his meddling. 
Stepping into the foyer, I pretended to open a nearby mailbox, keeping an eye on the man as he unlocked his own mailbox. I rattled my keys, making noises to ensure my ruse was believable. A moment later, he closed his mailbox and was on his way to the elevator. Glancing over my shoulder, I saw the group of box he was at. Since he had his back to me, I couldn't tell which one was the correct box at the time, but the heavens were shining down upon me as there was only one male name in that group. Martin Anson, apartment 506. Hearing the ding of an elevator, I saw Martin step through the sliding doors before they closed once more. The hum of the motor drifted from the shaft as it took him home where he would be safe and secure, or so he would think. I didn't want to wait for the elevator, needed to catch him before he stepped into his apartment where he would have the upper hand. Taking the stairwell, I ran up flight after flight as quickly as possible, my heart raised from both exertion and excitement. I was going to confront the man who was trying to steal my goddess from me. Flight after flight, I counted the floors until I landed on the fifth. As I pulled the door open, I heard the quiet ding of an elevator. At that, I froze, not wanting to reveal myself until the last possible moment. I counted silently to myself for a five count before pulling open the door just a crack. I peered through, seeing Martin's back as he walked down the hallway. Carefully, I pulled the door open and stepped into the hallway, picking up my pace as I quietly closed the gap and as Martin unlocked his door, I seized my moment. I'm not too sure of what happened after that. I remember approaching him and ordering him to leave my beloved Donna alone. I expected him to argue and fight me for her hand in marriage, but I suppose I was just too convincing. Perhaps it was the stern nature of my words, or that he could just sense that our love was pure and unrivaled by anything that he could ever offer her. It took less than five minutes of convincing when he agreed that he would never see her again. Wishing us the best of luck, he promised that he would never darken her door. This was how I remembered our conversation, and I have no doubt in my mind that this was in any way inaccurate. However, I noticed that something strange about my clothes when I got home. My clothes were covered in some dark liquid. It was so dark when as I walked home that I guess I just didn't notice it. At the same time, I noticed that it was later than I thought it would be. I had just turned on my TV to watch some programs when I saw that there was nothing but infomercials on. This was strange due to the fact that it should have been only about 8. My confusion was only compounded when I saw that it was 2 in the morning. But how is that possible? It was only 6 when I followed Martin and Donna. How could it be so early? Opting not to dwell on it too much, I decided that maybe I just lost track of time. I do that a lot. Sometimes I will look out the window and suddenly it will be night or day depending on when I looked. Stripping off my soiled clothes, I tossed them into the laundry and showered. As I washed off the strange red liquid, I realized that the substance must have been blood. I didn't find any injuries on myself, but again, I figured I was just mistaken. After a nice long shower and dressed for bed, I decided to call it a day. After all, it was very late, and I was feeling very tired. I had a dream that night that was actually very disturbing. I was in Martin's hallway, and the moment he opened the door, I had tackled him to the floor. Reaching into my pocket, I removed a small folding knife and proceeded to strike Martin over and over again. Even when he stopped moving, I just kept striking him again and again until I woke up. It was certainly a strange dream, and one of the most realistic ones I've ever had. In fact, it was so real that my body was sore from what happened during it. I've heard of people carrying emotions from dreams into reality, but never pain. I suppose this is the first time for everything. Perhaps I will tell a doctor about it and they will name the phenomenon after me. That would really impress Donna. Anyway, I popped some Advil and went about my day. I saw Donna at the coffee shop, and she looked as radiant as ever. Like the sun in physical form, she descended upon the earth to bestow us with her absolute brilliance. I loved her so much. She is my soulmate, my one and only. 
Normally, after watching her go into work, I would go home and wait until the next day to see her. But that day, I decided to wait for her like the day before. You see, I now knew where she lived thanks to Martin. That was never my intention to follow her home, but, but they led me straight to it. Part of me wanted to wait for her inside her home and surprise her, but that would have been too forward. Instead, I would continue to bide my time, but that didn't mean I couldn't escort her home. There was a lot of dangerous, unsavory people in the city. It was, is, my duty to keep her safe. I waited all day, leaving only to get something to eat and to use the restroom, but I made sure to hurry in case she tried to leave early. Morning turned into afternoon, afternoon into evening. Before I knew it, I saw Donna descending the stairs looking as beautiful as ever. However, as I watched her, she looked different. Her normal radiance was somehow muted. It didn't take me long to realize that she was frowning. For the first time in our relationship, I saw her not happy. I was prepared to approach her, to profess my love to her so that she could smile once more, but just as I was gathering my resolve, another person intervened. Instantly, my heart was shattered, crushed by this person's selfishness. It was a woman, plain and boring. To even compare her to my Donna would be an absolute insult. This woman even had the audacity to hug my love right in front of me without my permission. How dare she? I was absolutely livid, but had to keep my emotions in check. To lose my temper in front of Donna would be tantamount to blasphemy. Donna was only allowed to see me at my best, to know only love. This woman would have to be confronted, just like I confronted Martin. I managed to convince him, so I knew I could convince her. As they approached, I pretended to read my book, though I listened silently. With all the noise around me, I could only make out snippets of conversation. Martin. Gone. Attacked. I didn't hear anything else, but I understood that my discussion with Martin had affected Donna in more ways than I could have anticipated. Perhaps I was a bit too hasty at shooing him away, but he was trying to take my love away from me. I had to stop him before he could make his move. Of course I knew that in the end, I made the right decision. Donna belonged to me, I to her. We were in love, and no one would take her away from me. Not him, and not this woman. That night, I didn't escort Donna home as I intended. I had to confront this woman and convince her to leave my goddess alone. The two parted shortly after the brief conversation, and I waited until the woman was almost a block away before pursuing. She had to be stopped. I couldn't allow her to interfere with our love. I didn't want to scare her, just to talk to her and explain that she could never have any part of our life. She descended the steps into a nearby subway station, with me following close behind her. There weren't many people around us, and I actively avoided eye contact with those that were. It wasn't too difficult since I don't really care for that sort of thing. I find it unnerving and try to avoid it as much as possible. Deploying my normal ruse, I kept my head low and pretended to play with my phone. I wasn't sure when or where I would talk to this woman, but it had to be done. Fortunately, the fates were smiling down upon me. The woman had stepped out of the public view and into a woman's restroom. The conversation went well, I think. Again, my memory of what exactly happened is a bit fuzzy. I remember that I approached her and demanded that she leave Donna alone. I was all that she needed, and this woman's intervention was only complicating her life. The conversation was brief, but impassioned. To her credit, she accepted my terms and promised that she would never speak to Donna again. However, like before, something strange happened. When I closed the door to my apartment, the sun was shining. This made no sense since it was barely sunset when I met with the woman. I checked my watch to discover that the face was broken, shards of glass missing. I removed my phone and it told me it was about 6 in the morning. Now, clocks have been wrong in the past, so I figured that may be the case, but the sun couldn't be. Picking out the window, I saw that it was in fact dawn. 
I must have had another blackout. Dismissing this annoying habit of mine, I decided that, that after I watched Donna go to work, I would take a nice long nap. Of course, I would have to send another bouquet of roses first. For the next week, I decided that because I have now removed a number of obstacles, that I should now redouble my efforts in courting my beloved. Day after day, I sent her flowers. Each morning, I watched her go to work, and each morning, I fell in love with her over and over again. And each morning, she looked absolutely breathtaking. After my morning escort, I would go home and write. With Donna gracing my very presence, I felt so inspired that I had the compulsion to write. In eight hours, I knocked out over 30 pages of quality work. I was certain that my agent would be pleased. Afterwards, I went to perform my nightly escort for Donna to ensure her safety. I kept behind her, but was ready to strike in case someone dared to attack her. Her demeanor early in the week was different than usual. She appeared very upset, though I was certain I knew why. She was sad because her co-workers were keeping their distance. I'm sure they came up with very good excuses as to why they couldn't speak with her, and I had not seen either of them since. I knew that this sadness was temporary, and once I introduced myself, all of her worries and fears would be nothing but a bad memory. That week was perhaps the best week of my life. Each day I watched her go to work and then knocked out pages for my next book. Then I would escort her home where from across the street was a parking garage where I was blessed to see her through her windows on the seventh floor. We ate dinner together, read together, and even watched TV. Once we even slept together. Of course that may sound tawdry, but it was perfectly innocent. I watched her sleep and then drifted off myself into that wonderful, albeit cold, parking structure. Things were looking up in our relationship and I was getting closer and closer to finally professing my love to my goddess. That is until today, where things took a terrible turn. I was sitting in my favorite spot at the coffee shop watching my queen. She was dressed in the most immaculate blue pantsuit. Donna appeared so professional, so modern. Then in a single moment that stretched for eternity, we made eye contact. My heart fluttered, my mouth ran dry. I lost myself in that gaze, falling into those beautiful blue eyes that I craved to see up close. I imagined looking into them when we finally spoke, when we married, when we made love. I could spend hours, days staring into them. I, once again, fell in love with her and knew that perhaps at the end of the week I may actually speak to her, to tell her that I love her. The moment ended as quickly as it began and she looked slightly unnerved. I suppose seeing the love of her life was a bit too intimidating, though I know I'm nothing special. A humble wordsmith living out of a studio apartment. She took her latte and was out the door, stepping much more quickly than usual. Instantly I was on my feet following her, and that was when they grabbed me. I heard them scream orders to me, but the moment they did, Donna turned back to me and once more our eyes met. Dropping the coffee she drank every day, she was approached by another man. This man was dressed in neatly pressed slacks and an Oxford blue shirt with a striped tie. Over this was a large, heavy-looking vest with the letters FBI printed in white. Instantly, I fought against the two others who were forcing me to the ground. They did not wear the same vest to indicate their authority, but I did see the earpieces. They were FBI as well. I had seen enough movies and read enough books to know that. With the welling rage that roiled within me, I could not help but wonder why they were attacking me. Of course, it was obvious after a moment of reflection. They were trying to keep us apart. These men were jealous of our love and wanted to snuff it out. I fought back harder, trying to wiggle free from their grip, but no matter how much I fought, they had the upper hand on me. My arms were pinned behind my back, though I did not make it easy. I felt the pinch of handcuffs, and then I was hoisted to my feet. From the moment they picked me up and from when they stowed me into the police cruiser, I never broke my gaze with Donna. The charges the FBI are trying to pin on me are ludicrous further proof that they are jealous of our love. They claim that I murdered two people, stabbing one and strangling the other. 
This was absolutely false, since I did neither. We talked. That's all we did. They said I was following her, that I was stalking her. Sure, I followed her, but to make sure that she was safe. I sent her flowers to show how much I love her. She deserves to be happy, and so I did everything I could to ensure it. Now, I sit here in the station waiting for them to take my love away from me. They said that I'm sick, but I'm not sick. I'm in love. I would do anything for my queen, my goddess, my soulmate. Donna, my love, I will always be thinking of you. I can see him through the glass, that confused expression permanently on his face. Agent Cross said that he can't see me, and that I am grateful for. My stomach churns at the thought of him even looking at me, being in the same building as me. The urge to throw up is overwhelming, and I have to swallow back the taste of greasy bile. This makes my already sour stomach royal. I'm not sure how much longer I can keep that cup of coffee. There are so many things I want to scream at him. To tell him that I hate him and everything he has done to me. But I can't find my voice, though. My anger and fear hold my tongue, though my heart and head are very vocal. If I had my choice, I would open him up from cock to collarbone. However, ironically, he was under the protection of the police. He will no longer haunt my life, but he will always haunt my dreams. You may think I'm over-exaggerating, but you clearly don't understand the nightmare that I suffered through. There is a fine line between an admirer and a stalker, and it's a line that can be easily crossed. I constantly ask myself, why me? But the detective told me it may have been something I did or said to catch his attention. It could have been something as innocuous as an innocent smile. I can almost laugh as I think about how easy it is to gain the attention of someone like him. I can almost laugh. Mostly. I just want to cry. He stole the life of two people. Two friends. And from what Agent Cross told me, this man will never see a prison cell. Michael Allen was mentally ill and was completely unaware of the crimes he committed. While he may never be released from the institution they are locking him up in, he will never know the pain he's caused. All he will be doing is thinking of me. music for today's episode Osuary One A Beginning by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons License 3.0 and Osuary Five Rest by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons License 3.0 Music can be found at incompetech.com Special thanks to Terry Spihar providing additional voice work